0: It's great to be with you this morning, as we've said, and it's just been a joy to celebrate together with you. Uh, This morning, we are, uh, it's resurrection uh, morning, as we said, and the traditional greeting, we've done this already, is for, for me to say, He is risen, and for you to repeat back, He is risen indeed, and that's been that way for a long, long time in a lot of churches where they do that sort of thing on Easter Sunday. And indeed, uh, that is highly appropriate, I would say, today. This is a day of celebrate, a celebration and rejoicing. He has risen, and in many, many ways. Uh, without the resurrection, we are uh, kind of in a bit of a mess, I would say, in terms of our faith. Just listen to what the Apostle Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in about verse 12. Paul says this, But if it is preached Those are some strong words about the importance of the resurrection. So you could reasonably expect that any preacher or teacher of Scripture would and should seize this moment, seize this morning to, you know, hammer home that point. Or at least try as best he or she can do. Bring to the foreground, if you will, create the connect to the hope and life that is ours, due to a resurrected and real Christ Jesus that's our job and it is what is happening and has happened all over the world th- this morning you know it, and it's amazing that the resurrection is still being proclaimed as it should be it is still the lifeblood so to speak that flows through the church and when i say church i mean you know all the millions and millions of people who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. That lifeblood, because of the resurrection, still flows through the church. But I would like us to come to the cross again. Now, not because I I think that we have not spent enough time there this last little while. We've uh, had three weeks already of talking about the cross. This is the, the fourth. Not that we haven't spent enough time dwelling on it or the events of, you know, this Passion Week leading up to Good Friday and the crucifixion. Not that it's not embedded deeply enough in what, you know, you might call our collective psyche. I think when we talk about the cross, we understand generally. But there's still lots to learn. Rather, I, th- I want to do this because there is something really, really, I believe, really, really important about the cross that feeds directly Into the resurrection narrative that is so simple and yet deeply profound that it can be glossed over in the rush to celebrate and revel in the fact that, you know, he is risen, which is true, of course. Sometimes in our hurried lives, we rush past stuff to, you know, get where we're going. It's like the car ride with your children. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And not enjoying the journey. It, it could be something as simple, you know, as the, the new flower coming to life in the garden or like a, a rose breaking free from the budding stage into that full-grown, opened-up, beautiful rose that's, you know, stunningly beautiful. If we don't stop, though, to have that look now, it, the outside petals begin to fall off, begin to dry up, and, you know, in a day or two, it's not going to be quite the same. Still beautiful, but not quite the same. It's where we get the expression, that idea of, you know, stop and smell the flowers. (laughs) Because they're not always going to be like that. Makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Many of us uh, have the sense that we have, you know, I would say lost something this past year. And lament the fact that we missed out on things like, you know, regular dinners and dates out with our spouses... Boyfriends, girlfriends, birthday parties, anniversary celebrations, or you know, the community and, and church events that have anchored some of your calendars for years. And trust me, you know, I, I feel that as well. I feel the weight of that. But I think that if we reflect a bit deeper, there are things within in this year that will add value moving forward that we really do need to celebrate and be incredibly thankful for, even though we may not be so thankful. And in the moment, and, we, and we, I think we need to reflect on these things, you know, and, and just hang on to them a little bit before we, you know, get that rush to get back to the new normal that we've been talking about, or back to the way things were. One example for me comes to mind. Uh, think of how open, okay, open you are to, uh, and actually able, some of you have learned some new skills during this COVID pandemic. How actually able you are now to go online and meet with a friend far away, a child or a grandchild in another country, a group of how about business people, a group of business leaders that you need to hear from for a project that you're working on, engaged in. How about the family connections that have been deepened? I've, people have told me stories like this this past year about the skills they're learning and about the people they're connecting with that they haven't and how well it's working for them. I think there's been incredible gains along the way, you know, within the loss. And we need to slow down, I think, and just understand that. There is something in the cross event that has incredible value and meaning moving forward. We could miss it if we don't stop and remember or acknowledge it. And it's really, really simple. Here it is. It's not profound at all. It's simply this. The person on the cross. The person on the cross, just a couple of quick facts. There is an incredible importance to the fact that we believe, in, you know, in our in our theology and teaching in, in, in you know in the church, that Jesus was a man but also God in the flesh. Okay, that's standard, you know, theology. But for our purpose today, I want to focus on the fact that the personhood of Jesus on the cross. Brings incredible hope and meaning on Resurrection Sunday. Two, two passages here of Scripture Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Uh, it says this But when the time, when the set time, that's an important word, set time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive uh, adoption to sonship, okay? Set time, born of a woman, born under the burden of the law. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What you need to hear in those verses is the humanity of Jesus born of woman, under the law, no sin, carrying sin, just like we did. The truth, this truth leads us to a few things that we can learn about the person on the cross, Jesus. Here's the first thing I want you to remember and learn. It was part of the plan for Jesus to come actually human, so that humanity could actually be redeemed. Actually human, so that actual redemption could take place. We didn't just need a good teacher, a good example, or even a charismatic leader able to attract crowds and build momentum's, you know, among, among his followers, so that they could have a movement, you know, all of those things he probably was. And we've probably seen, you know, or heard, or or heard a speech, or watched, or whatever, you know, uh, leaders like that in all kinds of different arenas, you know, political, business, maybe sports. And you've probably heard people say things like, you know. I'd go to war for him, or I'd take a bullet for her. I'd follow them to hell and back if they asked. You know, you ever heard people say stuff like that? Whether, you know, if they really would or not, I don't, I don't know when push came to shove, but I'm sure that the followers of Jesus expressed similar sentiments, and certainly he was charismatic enough to hold a crowd, and he attracted them. But that's not what is needed. We needed an actual person to shed blood to pay for all the sins that we as people commit and have committed. They need to be paid for. Classic verse in the book of Hebrews 9, chapter 9, verse 22, tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that's a message that goes all the way back and to the very, very beginning of what happened in the garden, and you can trace it all the way through the Old Testament. It was preparation time leading up to this understanding of what sacrifice did and was for. Shed blood for sin and transgressions. It's all there. It's our history leading up to Jesus. That is why it is important to understand Jesus was a person, a real person, real human flesh, shedding real blood for real people on that cross, the perfect Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, like Chris read earlier. It was all part of the original plan. It was necessary and needed, so it was done. And that is what is pronounced on the cross when Jesus cries out, it is finished. He's not just talking about his death. It is finished. It is paid for. It's all done. I have done it. So we need to hear that this morning. And the second thing I want to point out this morning is this. If the person Jesus didn't die, the person Jesus didn't die that day, then the person Jesus didn't rise three days later either. If the person Jesus didn't die, then the person Jesus didn't rise again. Down through the ages, there have been some significant, uh, I'll call them heresies and false teachings and attempts to try to explain away the cross and Jesus' death and the empty tomb, his ascension, you know, the, the, the rise and the extent and expanse of Christianity, all of it. Some have said, you know, down through the ages that, well, he only appeared to be a man. He wasn't really a man. Or others have said the opposite. He only claimed to be God, but he really wasn't. And then it spins off into all kinds of unique and and odd theories and belief systems. Sometimes the simplest answer is just that, an answer that is simple and correct. Um, Have you ever heard of the the theory or the, the, the philosophical principle of Occam's razor? Uh, It it basically says this, that the simplest explanation is most often the correct or the preferred one. Here are a couple of, you know, I'd call them real-life examples. Um, Maybe some of you do this, and if you do, uh, shame on you. But uh, you're checking your text messages when you are driving, and you rear-end the car in front of you, which is, you know, and so the question becomes, what's the likely reason? The likely one is you were distracted by your phone. The less likely reason is a malfunction occurred in your car's braking system and you were unable to stop. Let's go with the likely one. That's Occam's Razor. Here's another one. Uh, You're on an elevator. The indicator says you're on the second floor. The door's open and you see a sign in the hall saying, you know, floor two. And then a door, maybe it's a hotel, and you see room 201 on it. And the door closes and you feel movement. And the indicator says you're on the third floor. And the door opens, you see a sign in the hall saying floor three. And you get the picture, right? Number on it is 301. Possibility one. When the doors closed, workmen leaped out from hiding, changed the sign and the door number. Other workmen shook the elevator to simulate movement and changed the indicator. When the doors opened, you were still on the same floor. Possibility two. When the doors closed, the elevator went up to the third floor. That's Occam's razor. It seems a little silly, doesn't it? But you get the idea. When it comes to Jesus, the person on the cross, you can go through all sorts of mental and philosophical twists to explain it all away, or you can take Scripture and the words of Jesus at face value. He was the Son of God, holy, divine, to start with. The one prophesied about thousands of years ago, the promised one. No earthly father... You know, the Messiah they had been waiting for fulfilled literally dozens and dozens of prophecies. And he was also born like you and I, so he's wholly human. He ate, he slept, he walked, he cried, and he mourned. The real and straightforward issue here is that his death was a real death. And therefore his resurrection was just that also. Real. 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 If Jesus was some sort of spiritual ghost walking the earth, then his death was a fake death. And then to his resurrection was just that as well, fake. And subsequently, we are all wasting our time with all of this. It's a big old waste of time and waste of money. To be pitied, as Paul said. But we know for a fact that Jesus didn't walk among them just as some sort of you know, apparition or ghost after he was raised. He ate breakfast on the beach with them. He invited Thomas to touch his wounded side. True, he was different than before, but he was on his way to heaven in a little while. He was moving towards a glorified uh, state. But make no mistake, it was really him, and they recognized him as the person, Jesus. And Jesus said so himself. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus said it himself. So the person of Jesus died. The person of Jesus was resurrected. And the person of Jesus walked among them for 40 days before he ascended and returned to his eternal home. The place that he came from in the first place to become a person and walk among us. You've heard of C.S. Lewis. He wrote this tremendous book on Christian you know, understanding and thinking called Mere Christianity, and he said this. The man in Christ rose again, not only the God. And that is the whole point. Powerful. So let me move towards wrapping this up last thing I want us to understand leads right into resurrection is Jesus the person anchors our faith and our future the real reason we celebrate today is that the resurrection of Jesus who walked this earth not just like us but as us guarantees certain outcomes that anchor our faith and our future the truth is Jesus defeated death he rose to life and in doing so guaranteed that we too would rise again. That's what Paul was teaching to the Corinthian church and what we read a little while ago too when he taught it to the Romans in chapter 6 of Romans. We don't have a futile faith. Rather, we have a faith with a future and a hope. He is the archetype, if you will, the original one, the one whose death paves the way for the resurrection of us all. And again, Romans chapter 6, that's the symbolism in baptism that is so powerful. Buried with him in death and raised to new life in his name. Both now and forevermore. And Jesus, the man on the cross, did this for us in our place. Not only as the Son of God, but also as the Son of Man. So that we could place all our hope and trust in his power to save us also from the power of death. And from the punishment required for our sins. This is the miracle of the cross and then the subsequent resurrection. It is why we rejoice this morning. And Paul actually says, I'll repeat it, if that isn't true, then we are to be pitied more than all men. But we are not pitied because we have a savior who can full, we can fully place our trust in. We have a savior who is able to understand us in all of our weaknesses because he too once walked this earth. We have a Savior who can be trusted to know what we need because he too once had needs as a man. A Savior who is not only capable of sympathy but actually able to empathize, which is different. Sympathy is, I think I can feel what you're going through. Empathy is, I know what you're going through because I've gone through it. Because he has. He has. He's felt pain, hunger, sadness, loneliness, anger, betrayal, the weight of sin on his shoulders. All of these things. You know, I was trying to think of a comparison for this, and I thought of, you know, officials or politicians or anyone who leads people, really, who has never themselves flipped burgers, waited tables or swept floors, cared for ancient children, taught in a classroom, Uh, who's never had to worry about where the rent money is going to come from, never had to take a second job to pay for education or just the basics of life. Someone who has never experienced those sorts of things can never cast him or herself as a, a candidate of the people or an advocate for the working class or enter into a discussion with any meaningful understanding about the cost of living or what a living wage actually is with actual empathy. They can't say, these are my people. (laughs) No, sir. No, ma'am. They are not your people. You can learn from them. You can hire people to help you understand. They are not your people. You are not them. Here's the thing with Jesus our Savior. Jesus, the person on the cross... Jesus who lives and rose again. That kind of distance and disposition towards us as his followers has never existed and never will. Why? Because he was us. He knows us. He understands, loves us, died and rose again for us. And now he is our living hope, not a hope we have to wonder about. Will he be there for us? or ever question his capacity and availability when I need a helping hand, a lift up, or a way up. All of those questions are answered and were answered forever when Jesus, the person on the cross, rose to life as the conquering king, the holy God, holy man, and a king who silences the critics and offers new life and hope to us all, and once and for all. That is why and how we celebrate today because indeed we have a living hope. Let's pray.